Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I believe here at Metro was a word from God for us for 2019. And we began this year believing that these scriptures out of Isaiah 54, just the first three verses, where God speaks to a woman who's uh, wanted to have kids and been unable to, and He says, Sing, O barren, you who haven't born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who haven't laboured with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes because you will expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. You can never pray too much, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us tonight because we didn't come for a service because we have to. We didn't come because we just wanted to enjoy some time out. But God, we've come hungry. We've come because we want to hear something from You. We've come because each one of us are bringing an open and hungry heart, believing that You're going to speak to us, believing You're going to touch us. We thank You for it. In Jesus' Name, Lord, we rely on You. So obviously we give You all the glory. Uh, None of it comes back to us. It goes to You. We're grateful for all that You do. In Jesus' Name, Amen. What's been underlined to us throughout this year of Enlarge, I believe, out of all the team that have spoken is that Enlarge begins in our inner world. The Isaiah 54 woman we just read about there is first told to sing before she sees any change. I know we live in a world that says uh, seeing is believing, but God reverses that as He does so many other things. And He says believing is seeing. And so things start internally before they get external in our life. And I want to take you tonight to another woman in the Bible as well, whose life has been shrunk by affliction, by sickness, by circumstance, by a whole lot of stuff. And yet an encounter with Jesus turns her life around. Now, I'm not preaching this as a theory. I'm preaching this out of my life experience, out of things that I've proven over year after year after year where the enemy wants to try and bring restriction and shrinkage to your life. I don't know whether you realise, but the devil's not trying to kill you because to kill you simply gets you to heaven quicker if you're a believer. He's not worried about your eternal destiny. What he would like to affect is what you do on the earth. He'd like to bring pain, whether it's psychological or emotional, mental or physical pain to your life. Wants to bring all kinds of hardship, not so that you can simply uh, suffer those things or have a story to tell, but He really wants to shrink your life. The devil is more afraid of a large life than he ever is of a religious one. He's not afraid of Christians that have read their Bible. What he's afraid of is of Christians that are putting the Bible into practice in their world and so getting a larger life than the one that they uh, grew up with, I guess. So let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 24, and read about another woman. 
a similar kind of condition. She too has been unable to have kids. And let's see what happens with her and what God does. So Jesus went with him. That's Jairus. It's a, a story leading up to this one. And a great multitude. Remember that. If you've got a paper Bible, which would be nobody apart from me. Uh, anyway, you can underline that or highlight it in your text somehow or other. A great multitude followed him. That's important for the rest of the story. A great multitude followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman had a flow of blood for about 12 years. She'd suffered many things from many physicians, spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Remember that. For she said, if only I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately she did that. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Think about that a minute. Everywhere Jesus went, he carried power. Think about that a minute. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a reservoir waiting for someone to draw on it. I think about that kind of life and think about what it's like to carry because some of us will have had moments with God where we felt an anointing or we felt an impulse of the Holy Spirit or we felt God powerfully use us. But the reality is that it's always there in your life. It doesn't come and go. First John chapter 2, I think it's verse 20, says, but the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you. That means it's there in the days I feel it and it's there on the days I don't feel it. It's there on the days when I see some result and it's there on the days when I see no result at all. So Jesus immediately knowing in Himself that power had gone out of Him, turned around the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to Him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? Like, hello. And... Uh, And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman lives under the law of Moses. That's the prevailing civil law of the day. Leviticus, I think it is, chapter 15, verse 19, says that if you have a flow of blood that can't be stopped, that you are to be isolated. Now, I know sometimes we look at that and go, well, that's disgusting and, and you know, that's unfair. But, you know, I know people personally that have been put into isolation wards in a hospital because the infection that they had was so uh, severe and so serious that they isolate. We still do that today. So this woman, without all the medical expertise available to her that we've got now, she's simply being isolated because this condition might have been contagious. And so she's isolated. So think about that a minute because we don't know whether she's married or single. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say whether she's a parent or never had a child. She certainly can't have any. But this disease has begun to shrink the circle of her relationships. I can't tell you how many people I've met 
because of something that happened to them. The, the circle of their influence shrunk. I'm never going to let anyone hurt me ever again. I'm never going to allow anyone ever to get that close to me. I've been burned once too often. And so out of that, their ability to affect other people, their ability to be able to carry something of God to other people gets limited in their life. It's almost like the big circle God drew. Now life draws a smaller one and they begin living inside of a smaller circle. Doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they're unaware of what's going on. But it's more than that because not just being alone, this woman has been a person of financial means. She's had plenty of resources, enough to go to doctor after doctor, looking for treatment after treatment. The Bible says she spent everything she owned on many physicians. Wasn't one, it wasn't two. There was many treatments that this woman sought and yet none of them have ever produced any kind of health or or we don't know what she did before, but evidently everything's now gone. So she's now not only shrunk the circle or had it shrunken down, can't be in contact with others, but now she's got no means to be a help to anyone else either. And stuff has happened in her life and these things now have shrunk the circle even more. She can no longer be a giver. Now she's relying on the good graces of other people. Now she is saying, well, I need other people to help me. It's a small life when I'm not able to bless other people. Well, it's not only that, that she's alone and she's broke, but promise after promise has been broken. They've failed. People have promised her all kinds of things. She's gone and hoped to every one of those physicians. No disrespect to the doctors that are among us. But uh, they've gone, she's gone to all of them and they've said, yeah, we think we can help. I think many of us here know what it's like to have someone say, this is your thing. You should go and pursue this career and you go off, but then you don't get into the uni course you wanted to get into. Or you make an investment and it doesn't pay off or that relationship doesn't work out. And we in this church, we're not here to bring judgment. But what I am saying to you is that her circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller in her life. She's an alone, broke and hopeless woman, hopeless. But an encounter with Christ changes all of that. And I've met so many people where the enemy has done everything that he can to make their life small and their influence zero so that all that that person can think about is me and today. Can I say to you, if that's you tonight, God wants to enlarge the circle of your life through an encounter with Christ. The enemy brings pain and problems and pressure so that all I can think about is me. I know what it's like to go through a major illness where you just tell yourself, I've just got to go through this. It's, listen, you know the phrase, we say it all the time to people, it's one day at a time. But can I tell you, listen to me, life was never meant to be lived one day at a time. Life was meant to be lived with vision, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about beyond now, thinking about where you go. We are living longer than any generation that's ever lived on planet Earth. The average age for Australians, uh, men and women, has increased by uh, around 15 years for both genders in the last 30 or 40 years. 
We're living longer. We're lasting longer. But the question isn't how long do you live? The question is how full is your life while you live it? Amen. The question isn't how old you get. Do you make it to the pension? Do you get to join the centenarians club? The question is, is my life getting larger or just getting older? Is that what's happening to my life? And the enemy wants to bring pain and problems. Listen to me, I talk to people like this. I've got friends like this, you know, been through cancer and all kinds of stuff that's come their way. And, and some of them, not all of them, but some of them end up going, well, I'm gonna be careful from now on. I'm gonna be safe. Can I say to you, if you've been hurt, please don't play it safe. Please don't decide from now on, well, I'll never try again. Have you made some decisions? Have you stepped out and sunk? Well, join the great Apostle Peter in saying, even though I sank, I still can rise and follow Christ. The Scripture says the righteous falls seven times, but he rises or she rises up again. So God's plan is to bring you into a large place. It's just the way God thinks. God wants every one of us. And I know, you know, we live in a world that's kind of a bit more cynical, I think. A little bit more like, well, are you sure? A little bit more like, well, you know, that's, is that preacher talk? Uh, whatever preacher talk is. I don't know, but what I do know is that when I read the Bible, it says things like this in Psalm 18, verse 19. It says, He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because He delighted in me. In other words, God wants your life to get larger, come on, than what it is right now. Don't say to me, oh, Jeff, I'm, I'm retired now. I'm on the pension now. I would say to you, oh, no, your life could come into a large place. I would speaking just this week well, on the phone and via text with Reverend Marcus Ardern, a great friend of our church. I just thought about it because here's Kurt Kenderes who retired from his career as an architect, but has been serving probably busier than ever in some ways, I think, uh, serving uh, God. And, and Marcus sent me a message just yesterday saying the CDs that you still send faithfully out to all those people, he does the podcast as well. So he's up with all the tech, but the CDs, Marcus said, I'm sending them on to preachers up and down the northern part of Queensland and they are getting blessed out of that. So thank God for people that don't go, I'm retired so my life gets small. But I'm saying I'm gonna get larger. Psalm 118 verse five, I called, or verse four, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. God wants your life, no matter who you are. You go, but oh, Jeff, I'm busy. I've got my career. Great. Believe for a large place in your life. You say, Jeff, you don't understand. Right now, I'm busier than ever. Well, all I know is this. No matter how busy I am, my life can get bigger. I don't believe in growth as a spurt. I believe in growth as a life. And uh, this woman does some things quite powerfully differently. Again, like I said to Pastor Gabe this morning, I'm never thinking so much about the ones who get it right. I wonder why everybody else around about them never saw it. And so here we see in the story, there's a multitude of people. Like, hello, it's a fair dinkum crowd, man. They are like jostling one another. You're smelling the BO, the bad breath, the coffee breath, the every kind of thing going on. You've got elbow to elbow. People are, it's a crowd and, and they're jostling and thronging. It's going on like that. And yet one person gets in the middle of all of that and their life gets larger and everybody else just goes home. I don't know about you, I don't want to just go home. 
I don't want to come to church and just go home. I don't want to come into the house of God and worship and just go home. I don't want to come and hear the Word of God and just go home. I don't want to ever be in a place. That's why it doesn't matter who it is that's preaching. Some preachers are going to spin your wheels and, and you're going to be enthralled with their oratory and wowed by whatever it is they say. And other people are going to go, well, that's not the same deal. But can I say to you, never ever judge what God wants to say by the power of the oratory that stands before you, no matter how good or bad it is. Don't have favourite preachers, have a favourite God. Amen. Are you with me here tonight? We want to kind of get into this. Don't have a favourite worship leader either, by the way. I'll worship just as good no matter who it is they stick up. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to any of them. They're great. But oh, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't need a worship leader. I'm not like some kind of, you know, organ grinder deal. Let's get the monkey dancing. Uh, if that's what you think church is about, you have totally missed the plot. We are so totally not into that. We are so totally into going, we are going to allow the Holy Spirit every single time to grab us by the scruff of the neck. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I come from the Salvos. William Booth was famous for saying this. He said, you know what? If you really want to change the world, get on fire because people will come to watch you burn. Ain't that the truth, huh? Get on fire. I don't mean get all religious and stupid, but just get on fire, amen? Wherever you go, amen? Well, if you're buying a coffee, let them go. That, that person's different, amen? Why? Just if you smile, that'd be nice. Huh? That'd save your smiles up. Anyway, that's not the message. That's not the message. What did this woman do? Here's number one. First thing this woman did is she enlarged her hope. Scripture says when she'd heard of Jesus, despite time after time of failure and disappointment, it not working. When she'd heard of Jesus, now listen again, everybody had, that's why they're there. What is it about this woman? Why is it that some people hear a great testimony and they immediately deny it? Well, it probably never happened like that. Or they immediately disqualify themselves. Well, it happened to them, but it wouldn't happen to me. Or they immediately discount it and kind of go, well, even if I was there, it probably wouldn't work for me. What is it different about this person that when she hears about Jesus, something goes off? I hope you're one of those people. I hope when you hear a story, a testimony about healing, you go, I wonder if that's real. Because I've seen so many of them. I've seen so many uh, astounding miracles of God that are undeniable. And you couldn't tell me, well, that was mind over matter. Because they're telling you if it was, then I'm all for mind over matter, quite frankly. I've seen so many of them over the years. I was thinking the other day, I'll never forget there was a a lady, because she was from New Zealand originally, Kiwi lady. She sat right about there. And I had a word of knowledge about someone who had an accident and damaged the neck. This is years ago. And uh, she drove one of the big dump trucks up in the mines. And standing in the service, she got completely healed. I don't know who, don't remember her name, and she's not here anymore. I'm not sure where she, what happened. But I know that God profoundly touched her in an amazing way. And I would have to say 
that almost every week I'm hearing some story about God doing something for somebody. Can we just be that, that enlarged in our hope that our first thing isn't cynicism. Our first thing isn't, well, probably wouldn't work for me. Well, what if it would work for you? What if God would do something profound through your life? What if your life is not meant to be just more of what you've had? What if God wants to do something profound? Oh, but Jeff, you don't understand. I'm not and I can't and I've never and I wouldn't know how. Well, that's immaterial, it seems to me. This woman's history is absolutely filled with failure. This woman's history is absolutely filled with an ever-shrinking circle of zero influence, if such a thing's possible. But when she hears, something's enlarged. When she hears, something's enlarged. When she hears, hope begins to spring up again. My friend Marcus said to me years ago, I've never forgotten. It's a verse in Jeremiah. It says, for there is hope of a tree that if it is cut down, yet it will sprout again. It's a verse in Jeremiah. Romans says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Christians are not meant to be hanging on to a slender cotton thread of hope as though it's the last resort. Ah! But Christians are meant to be people that abound in hope. I've got enough for me and I've got enough for you as well. Just love you to grab a bit of it tonight in Jesus' Name. Amen, Pastor. Yeah, got it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. When she hears hopes and lies, are you hearing something tonight that goes into your heart? Or you just go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I wonder what's on Instagram. <laughs> Do you know what I noticed the other day? I was going to preach on this, never ever did, about identity. And uh, do you know out of the, the top eight things on Instagram? Uh, number one, selfies. Across Instagram. That's number one picture posted on Instagram. Number two is friends. Number three is pets. Number four is food. Number five is events. I can't remember the other three, but this is what I noticed. Not one of them's family. In the top eight, that freaked me out a little bit. I'm going, where are we going with this? And I'm not a troglodyte. I'm on Instagram. Hey, man. Love Instagram, particularly if you like my stuff. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm human. Not that spiritual. I'm human. But are you, is something enlarging in your life? Are you believing for more? Come on. We don't need more Christians that just fit the mold. I think about this sometimes because I go, God, save us from ever making churchians and not Christians. Because they ain't the same thing, amen? Uh, you know, I'm not looking for mad people because there's enough of them around. Uh, we're not looking for bizarre people. There's plenty of them. But what we need is more people that love God intensely and love other people passionately. If you just do that, that's it. Woohoo! Amen. They preach like this in Esperance because they all do. Here we go. Number one, enlarge the hope. Here's number two. Get this one. You've got to really think about this one for a second. If you understand the Old Testament, you will go, oh, wow. Because she enlarged her creativity. According to Leviticus 15, 19, she can't touch Jesus. And Jesus can't touch her. Think about that a minute. Most people in that situation would go, well, when the thought first came into their mind, press through. She'd go, I can't, I'm not allowed to. 
Isn't it amazing how so many of us, when God presents us with a vision, we start thinking of all the reasons why it can't happen, why they won't say yes. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to invite that workmate to church and you go, well, they wouldn't want to know. I've done that. I've thought of that person will never, ever say yes. And blow me down if they're not the person who does. Amazing, isn't it? How we can talk ourselves out of it. She can't touch him. He can't touch her. And everybody healed before this scripture has been healed, listen, by Jesus being the active one. Jesus has laid hands on them. He spat in the ground and made clay and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He's spoken to them. In every single case, this is the first time in the Gospels, Mary said, whatever He says to you, do that. And so this is the first time ever. And this woman gets a revelation about what God wants to do in a person's life. And when creativity gets enlarged, you don't look at what you can't do, you look at what you can do. I can't touch him. She's, when she'd heard about Jesus, what did she hear? She heard about how we touched a leper. She goes, wow, that'd be powerful. She heard about how we touched a blind man. Wow. She heard about how we touched the widow's son of Nain lying in the coffin. Wow. She's heard all of this stuff and she goes, wouldn't it be great if, oh no, that's right, he can't touch me. But this woman doesn't say, well, it can't happen. Well, that'll never come to pass. This woman, I've preached about her uh, 150 times at least. I never saw that until this week. She can't touch him, but she can touch his garment. And isn't that going to be enough? No one's ever done it before, but it's possible. Listen to me, what are the things right now that God has been telling you to do and all you've been doing is telling God what can't happen? and how you wouldn't be able to. And I don't have the finance for that or the resource for that, or I couldn't do that. Wouldn't it be, she didn't just enlarge her hope. Going away, going, well, God, if it's it, Lord, if it, Lord, it's up. She didn't want to go and doing that. She said, God, how can I make this happen? I can't touch him. He can't touch me. But what if I was simply to press through the crowd, touch the hem of his garment? Whoever would ever think that that would be enough? You know, the Scripture says in the book of Acts that God did special miracles by the hands of Paul so the cloths were taken from his body and laid on sick people and they'd get healed. And that all comes out of this woman being creative. If ever there was a day when the church needs to think out of its box, out of the religious spot, no one's ever done it before, well, what if it's the way God's going to use no one's ever done this before, but what if? Are you with me here? Because see, you've got to have a lot more to your life than just going, well, yeah, God can do it again so long as it's the same way he did it before. He's the same. This is an old song we used to sing. He's the same God today as he always has been yesterday. Now forever, he's always the same. And that's why we are always the same. And that's why we're not going to change either because he doesn't change at all. Get a grip. Get a grip. Get a grip. Really? We could sing country and western songs up here using the grease proof and comb and a zither 
And I'm telling you what, God would still be here and would still move. Because it never was about the, about the talent. It's always about the heart. Are you getting this tonight? Come on. Come on. I've heard some preaching sometimes. I go, God, what a dog's breakfast that was. And yet God moved and touched people. Amen. So if you're sitting there thinking, gee, this bloke's not much, that's all right. Because this guy ain't relying on the power of oratory. He's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to go, I'm going to break open this heart. Amen. It's been padlocked, welded shut, rusted shut. It's been shut for so long. There's no light got in there. Amen. So she enlarges her hope and she enlarges her creativity. Here's the third thing she enlarges. Last one is her words. This has kind of gone out of fashion, the whole chunk. I'm so glad when I gave my life to Christ, there was a fresh teaching about the power of your words. Changed my life because I didn't grow up in a positive environment. In Proverbs 18 verse 21, I didn't even know was in the Bible. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat its fruit. And so that changed my life, literally changed my life. This woman, think about it, all she's ever heard up until now has been this, sorry. I wish we could have. Well, we thought it might work. All she's ever heard up until now is that at least you tried. Well, we're sorry, but it's incurable. All the words that have been spoken have not been words of life and hope. And I want you to see, therefore, why it's so amazing what she says in verse 28. Because what she says is not, well, I'm going to give it a go. Oh, let's just give it a bit of a shake. You never know. Well, let's flip the heavenly coins, spin the lotto wheel of God and see what turns up. You never know. It might be my lucky day. Maybe I'll win heavenly lotto today. Verse 28 says, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She didn't say it might happen. She says, I'm going to. And the reality is that an encounter with God will always change a person's language. I don't mean swearing, though that's a good thing to shift out of. But it'll change the way you speak about your future. Oh man, I'm such an idiot. Why would you, why would you say that about you? Oh, I'm such a useless dropkick. That's Aussie talk for you know, not being real bright. Why would you say that about you? Huh? Why would you want to repeat everything that the devil's been saying to you for all your life? My Bible says, Psalm 139, verse 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not because I am, have the body of whoever, <laughs> whoever's famous, Brad Pitt. It's got nothing to do with shape or size. It's got to do with who you are on the inside. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and that your soul knows right well. Amen. It's always been about who God made you to be, made you in the image of God. And maybe you've grown up in a home where all anybody ever said, or maybe you're married to somebody and all they ever come out was all the stuff that's wrong with you. Why don't you decide tonight, I'm going to enlarge my words. Instead of going, oh man, I'm an idiot. I forgot it again. So you forgot it. Who gives a rip? Just go back, get the thing 
But don't, don't beat yourself up because the devil is really, you don't want to give him a helping hand for anything. You want to get out there and go, wow, I am amazing. I am amazing. Oh, brother, I couldn't do that. That's pride. Yeah, but it's the right kind of pride. Amen. Because you are God's creation. And we go around there spitting on it. <laughs> don't think much of you. You wouldn't do that to another person, but I meet lots of people who do it to themselves. Come on. An encounter with God will always change a person's language, change to Abraham's or Abram's. To Abraham, he began speaking differently before he ever got the answer. My words don't make God do anything. I'm not suggesting they do. But my words will reposition me. And so this woman enlarges her hope and she overcomes disappointment. Think about that a minute. Everybody here listening to me right now, whether you're in front of me or whether you're listening via a podcast, and don't worry about people moving. They're only moving because they have a job to do or, it's, or else because I've offended them. Uh, now they've got a job too. Everybody here has been through disappointment. Are you going to let your life get larger despite it? I think about this a lot because on some of the things I've journeyed through, I remember years and years ago, it's a long, long time ago, our church went through a major financial pressure and it was like, man, it was batting down the hatches and don't spend anything, you know. It was just real tight. And I watched the tendency in my own life after that season had ended to still live like it was present, to still live like it was tight, to still live. And I remember deciding I can't keep, if I don't bust out of this, it'll become my normal. And so I want to keep living generous no matter what the, the season has been in my life. Or maybe you've been through a great sickness or some affliction like that. It's very easy or some emotional pain has come your way and it's very easy then to start going, you know what, well, this is it. She overcame disappointment and enlarged her hope. She overcame impossibility and enlarged her creativity. Started thinking about how it could happen. And she overcame her past by enlarging her words and speaking larger words about her life. Amen. God wants your life to get larger. I don't care who you are, how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, what you've been through. Well, I do care about what you've been through. But I pray that tonight this will speak to you and you say, God, I'm, I'm going to let my life get larger. I'm not going to let the enemy win <clears throat> by shrinking my life. <clears throat> Pardon me. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. We didn't come here for, for a church service. We came here for an encounter with you. And Father, right now, I pray for people here where the enemy has made their life small, almost like put a, a restriction around about them, tied them up, got them thinking, well, that's just, this is really, you better be careful because what if that comes back again to your life? So God, I pray that tonight, by the, can we just right now where you are, Right now, right where you are, just let the Holy Spirit, come on, is He speaking to you about something in your life? Maybe it happened a long while ago. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it's their fault and everything else. But why don't you say tonight, God, I'm going to enlarge my hope. I feel tonight like there's people here and, and your dreams have really, you've shrunk your dream to the size of you. God always means dreams are God's gift to get you through trouble. That's a fact. 
dreams and vision are God's gift to you. It's His grace to you so that you'll journey through hardship. The Lord sent an angel that appeared to Paul while he's on a ship and said, fear not for you will stand before Caesar, the most powerful man in the world. But do you know why God told him that? Because his whole ship was about to get busted up and they wanted to kill the whole lot of them lest one escape. See, your dream, listen to me, your dream is God's gift to you to get you through the problems you're in. So don't lay the dream down because you encounter trouble. That's the time you need it the most. Feed it. Nurture it. Think it. Dream it. God, I'm going to do this. I remember going through a major thing. This is 35 years ago. It's a long time. And I had one verse out of Psalm, I think it's 127. It says, I shall yet praise Him in the land of the living. Because I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And I remember I just kept saying that Scripture over and over again. I'm going to praise Him in the land. Come on, what are you in right now? What are you in right now? Is it sickness? Is it ongoing issues, pressures? Is it some kind of thing that just never seems to let up for your life? Is it emotional pain? Why don't you say tonight, come on, right where you are. God, tonight I'm just going to enlarge my hope. I'm going to enlarge my creativity, God. Come on, give me an idea. What can I do here now? I'm going to start enlarging my words. No more, oh well. Don't agree with all the people around about you. you want to tell you how bad it is. Start saying, but God's going to help me. But God's going to help me. There's abundance for me. There's blessing for me. God's hand is not so short, He says in Isaiah, that He cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that He can't hear. God wants to bring blessing to your life. Come on. He wants to bring blessing to your life. You're so old, Jeff. Yeah, you might have done 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five, but not now after all that's happened. Oh yeah, He can. We love You, Lord. We love You, Lord. Holy Spirit, You are welcome in this place, Lord. Holy Spirit, we love You. We welcome You, Lord. Come and touch our heart and mind. In Jesus' Name. Holy Spirit, breathe on people. If you want to receive from God, because you know I'm speaking about you, stand to your feet right where you are and lift your hands and just begin to worship God for a minute. Just do that right where you are. Stand up in your place. I'm not going to embarrass you, but stand up and begin to worship. Wherever you are, you say, that's me. I recognise the enemy's been trying to make my life small. And so tonight I'm going to say, Lord, I'm enlarging my hope. Thank you. So many people standing. I'm enlarging my hope. Just get ready to sing that team. Just we're gonna worship God for a minute here because it's I can't make it happen. It's not preaching that does it, it's what he's doing in the middle of the preaching. He's coming upon people's lives and going, Come on now, 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 enlarge your hope, enlarge your creativity. You're struggling with things, you go, Jeff, I've struggled with this for so long, I'm just sick of it. God, I enlarge my hope. God, give me an idea. Lord, I'm going to enlarge my words. I'm going to declare you're my deliverer. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship a minute. Come on. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this and fill the atmosphere your glory 
God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place. Come on, open up your heart to God. Receive something from God tonight. Come on. Come on, your glory, God. Come on. For to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Listen, I'm not in that big a hurry tonight. Not that I'm trying to prolong it either. But I feel like there's people here tonight and stuff is just, you know what I'm saying is true. That your life has begun to think, wow. Oh God. And hope, oh listen to me, hope is always the first casualty. Because that's the thing the devil hates the most because he's got no hope. He already knows what his end's going to be. He already knows that his time is short, the scripture says. He's got no hope, and so he hates hope in anyone else. Doesn't want you to carry it, doesn't want you to have it. Come on. Let's sing this together one more time. Just lift up your heart to God and say, Lord, come on, touch me, right? Come on, you don't need me to lay hands on you right now. You just need to say to God, God, I'm gonna take this. I'm receiving this. Remember this woman, she pressed through the crowd. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment. He didn't do it, she did it. You press through the crowd as it were. Come on, touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Say, God, tonight's my night. Tonight I'm believing for just salvation and deliverance. What our heart longs for.